They're coming to get you, Barbara. I don't know what you come to do, but I come to praise the name. Because you'll never be anything but a common frump whose father lived over a grocery store and whose mother took in washing. Hello, everyone. Welcome to Who Shot Ya? I'm guest host Kimberly Clark. And joining me today are film reviews editor at The Wrap, Alonzo Duralde. Alonzo, what's good? Oh, Kimberly, it's funny that we were having this whole conversation about fizzy water before this thing started. And I was thinking, oh, my God, stop ruining my what's good. But uh, (laughs) Here's the thing. Uh, I'm a child of immigrants, which means I got to squeeze a couple of summers in Europe as a child. Not in a privileged way, but that's where all my cousins were away. And uh, Europe believes in lemon soda. And somehow that never took a foothold in the U.S. Like Fanta does not do lemon unless I guess maybe they do now in the fancy like. 160 flavor machines at the movie theater. But Pellegrino has that limonada that you can find oh, everywhere that's now. The bomb. And the the blood orange and the pomplamoose and all the flavors. And I'm I'm digging the soda. Pomplamoose. But let me be very clear though. The 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 sodas are great, but the the flavored Pellegrino water that they just started doing in the little sort of skinny like Red Bull cans, do not truck with that. <laughs> The the lemon Pellegrino, it's like drinking lemon pledge. It is so massively like fakey lemony. It was it's I I had like two sips and gagged. So okay. get the right Pellegrino lemon and you'll be very I happy. love that you were getting anxious because we were talking about fizzy beverages before this <laughs> yeah, started. He's and like how gross LaCroix was. Oh my god, that's better. They better I better get to go first. <laughs> <laughs> that was in your bones. <laughs> I was keeping, I had to keep something under my hat for this. Hilarious. Okay. (laughs) We're also joined by producer and film festival programmer, Drea Clark. Drea, what's good? Um, So I also want to point out right here that obviously Kimberly Clark and I are related. It's a delight to have another Clark here. What's up, cuz? Feel much better with more Clarks around. All right, what's good with me? So I'm I'm looking it up because it's important to get all the names right. Um, a friend of mine, you guys, I know Ooh. authors, Sarah Kuhn, has a new YA novel out that I just finished. It's called I Love You So Mochi. Sarah also writes the Heroin Complex series, which is a series of novels about Asian American superheroes, and I adore them. Um, I Love You So Mochi is a YA romance. And um, <clears throat> for this grown-up woman, it's right in my wheelhouse. <laughs> and I found it super delightful. It's a quick read um, in a good way, not a dismissive way. And it's about this girl, Kimmy, who's first generation and, te- and you know, arguing with her mother, as girls do. And uh, she's obsessed with fashion. And her estranged grandparents reach out. So she goes to Kyoto, where she learns about her family and uh, herself and she meets this cute boy named Akira and it's just so cute. I love it. It's called I Love You So Mochi. Nice. And also joining us in town from New York is comedian and head writer of the podcast Story Pirates, Rachel Wanitsky. What's up, Rachel? What's good? Um, Thank you so much for saying that I came in from New York. I feel like everyone listening at home just stood up and gave me a standing ovation. <laughs> They're Definitely. like, she's here from New York. Yes. Um, you know what's good is public parks. And we were talking about this when I came in because Max Fund, the offices here, have such an amazing view of MacArthur Park, which looks so beautiful um, from a distance. And in <laughs> New York... <laughs> In New York, I live really close to Prospect Park, and ever since it got nice outside, I've just been spending every day uh, out there in this, like, weird, really, like, loserish inflatable chair that I have, and having just the time of my life. Awesome. I love this. Do you have your favorite fizzy beverage with you when you're out there? Honestly, sometimes, yes. You're living your best life. My chair has a cup holder. (laughs) If you ever wanted to just, like, live a life where random children came up to you and were like, excuse me, can I sit in your chair? Then you bring a inflatable chair to the bar. Oh, no. You might not want to give that I was going to say, these might not be the tips that you want to really share here. Kimberly, what's good? What's good with me? That was like a sad duet. Well, I'm going to backpack off of your um, fizzy drinks. Mm. What's good? And um, what's the name of that brand again? It's uh, Spindrift. Spindrift. <laughs> 
Because I, I gag off of LaCroix. I hate LaCroix. <laughs> and so you guys have been singing the praises of Spindrift. So I'm going to try it today after the podcast. And I can't wait. And you recommended <laughs> no, I grapefruit. Don't like, yes, I like the Pomplamousse <laughs> Spindrift. Don't lump me in on this because I, I, I find it indistinguishable <laughs> from LaCroix, which I'm meh on. So, you know. See, That's but they're so telling me it's different. Me. They're they telling taste, me it's different. It tastes completely different. That maybe I am missing. Look, my tongue is dead. I don't know. His <laughs> oh, no. tongue belongs to Perrier. <laughs> <laughs> so on today's episode, we're talking about Dark Phoenix, that X-Men movie with the lowest opening weekend in the X-Men series. <laughs> <laughs> Plus, we're going to decide what film franchises need to go away forever. And as always, we'll have staff picks. But first, it's time for our news roundup game called... I T I D I C. Oh no, it's not. <laughs> it's called it a dick. You are not leaving this room without saying it. I'll say it. It a dick. Thank you. <clears throat> Sorry, mom. Short for is this important or do I care? Here's how it works. We're all going to read a news blurb or headline, and our panelists will jump in with their take by answering these two questions: Is this important? Do I care? I'm going to kick us off. So in an interview with Variety, uh, Michael Douglas revealed that he didn't win the Best Actor Award at the Cannes Film Festival for Behind the Candelabra thanks to meddling by Steven Spielberg. Uh, In the 2013 film, Douglas played the larger-than-life entertainer Liberace for director Steven Soderbergh. And according to Douglas, quote, Steven Spielberg was the president of the Cannes Film Festival jury that year, and the word was, I was the favorite for, for the Best Actor Award. He put the kibosh on that because it was an HBO film. So when I now see this argument and beef about Showtime or Netflix, in this case, doing feature films, I think they've got to get this resolved. Unquote. Following Roma's three Oscar wins this year, Spielberg voices opposition to the Academy rule that allows a film to qualify for consideration provided it plays in Los Angeles theaters for a week. Spielberg doesn't think that films distributed primarily online should qualify. Is this important? Do you care? Mm. What I care about is Michael Douglas being at a point in his career that he's like, yeah, who you want me to burn up? Spielberg? Oh, yeah. I'll do it. Michael Douglas, son of Kirk Douglas. Perhaps you've heard of me. How few fucks do I have? Yeah. Let um, me do demonstrate. Do even know who my dad is? <laughs> yes. Give him the Meghan McCain treatment. I'm just well, imagining, like, Steven Spielberg in, like, a dimly writ- lit room, like, at the end of a really long table being like, no, like, <laughs> Michael Douglas will not receive the award. Well, as that's happening, it's Michael Douglas is the one because he's like, and the word was I was the favorite. I mean, yeah. the word when you went around whispering to people, so I'm the favorite. Right. right? Well, I now, got this one. I gotta say, to his credit, he is amazing in he that is. film. Like okay. he is, he is my sort of that's my gold standard of when I stop seeing the famous person and start seeing the famous person that the famous person is playing. Mm-hmm. Like at some point, Michael Douglas disappears and. I'm just seeing Liberace, and that's the that's the the bar you got to jump now if you're going to play, if you're going to do your music biopic. Like you have to live up to Michael Douglas standards. Basically, Alonzo, the DVD is already out. They cannot put your quote on the cover. <laughs> There's so, maybe still time for Rocket Man. That's, yeah, well, yeah. The, the, for instance. But anyway, but and, and the thing is, like that movie got released theatrically yeah. everywhere else on Earth, but no Hollywood studio would pick it up because they're pussies, and so they were like. <laughs> And they went to cable, and then Spielberg got the shit on it. That's a really <laughs> good point, that that film didn't get the support it needed theatrically because of the content. Yeah. Right. And, yeah, I'm right, glad this... you, I take back my earlier joke, <laughs> and now I am with you. Way to kick the gaze to the curb again, Hollywood. <laughs> Thanks a lot. <laughs> right, this wasn't just, it wasn't like a sports comedy <laughs> that they were like, yeah. it can't be. <laughs> it was, like, very purposeful that they kept it out of theaters. Yeah. Right. So now it is important. What if men were going to see this? <laughs> Straight men could see this and become gay. I do think that's how it works. That it is. Uh, <laughs> totally. All right. So, if you guys, are you ready for a really happy, exciting statistic? Because I've got one for you. Yes. Women directed only 3% of animated movies. <laughs> um, per the USC Annenberg Inclusion Initiative study that just came out, um, the 3% of animated movies in the past 12 years were directed by women, and only one of those was a woman of color. That's one film, not 1%. Um, that would be Jennifer Yu Nelson, who directed Kung Fu Panda 2. Also, 
17% of the 120 top grossing animated films from 2007 to 2018 had a female lead or co-lead. And just three of these movies boasted a woman of color as a protagonist. Again, that's 17% of movies that even has a female lead. Mm, not important. Oh, is this important? <laughs> <laughs> move Let's on. Let's move on. <laughs> You're like, Yawn. tell us something else new. <laughs> that is really the nuttiest <sighs> statistic. Especially now when like people when people have started to catch on to like, oh, like it's very trendy to have to make something feminist or to make something with women, but then it's still not women that get to be at the helm of those stories. Right. Or the focus of the, I feel very April Wolf right now. <laughs> I'm in her chair, channeling her spirit, wanna be just full grumpiness about it. Um again, the artists are out there. Like we at the festival level see shorts. Cal Arts has a ton of female animators coming through. Along with many other places, the, the, that, yeah. the, the woman who got fired off of Brave, I'm sure, would have liked oh, to have yes. finished that movie. Yes, um, you know, and of course, this this goes into the whole sort of the the toxic atmosphere that we now know about mm-hmm. that was happening at Pixar for so long with John Lasseter and his hug machine. Um, not just that, but in terms of women getting promotions, women getting the opportunity to you know like rise in the ranks creatively, um, you know, was not happening, and so. Yeah, this is and this is the result. You get these these kind of appalling numbers. I've been thinking a lot about. I don't know if you guys watched the Tony Awards. <laughs> I missed little, it this little year. <laughs> um, but uh, Rachel Chafkin won Best Director of a Musical for Hades Town. Oh, I saw that. Yeah. She was the only woman who directed a musical this year, and in her speech, she was like. I'm the only woman who directed a musical this year. This is ridiculous. It's not a pipeline problem. Women are ready to step up to the plate. They just have to be given the job. And I was like, honestly, so much of the conversation is like, well, it's because like women aren't being trained and it's a systemic problem. And it is. But it's like also there are women that are ready to do it. They're there. They're ready. The other thing about this is so many animated films are focused on kids. And Mm -hmm. it's that's that's the other pipeline. Right. Like we have all this content being put out to young audiences and if oh I can't do the math what's the reverse of 93 percent 83 percent I don't know I can't even calculate 83 sorry dad 83% (laughs) of the films are seeing are you know male leads and what that tells them about like getting to be your own hero or getting Mm. to have strength yeah and like Mm. the the biggest animated hit of the last decade is Frozen so and like, then Moana. Yeah, so yeah. Like, don't don't tell me that that like boys won't go see a movie with a female lead because that's a, yeah. obviously nonsense. Right. Oh, these people. Uh, I have me, to leave. Take me away from this story. <laughs> take me away immediately. Well, I have a little story here. I'm ready. <laughs> Do tell. Um, this past Sunday, June 9th, our boy Justin Bieber issued a challenge to Tom Cruise via Twitter. That's a sentence. And. <laughs> He tweeted, I want to challenge Tom Cruise to fight in the octagon. (laughs) Tom, if you don't take this fight, you're scared and you will never live it down. Who is willing to put on the fight? (laughs) On Wednesday, the journalists of TMZ asked Bieber about the tweet and Bieber told them he was just kidding. And then this is what uh, Justin said about uh, Tom Cruise. He's tight. (laughs) (laughs) The story... (laughs) Is I saw an interview with him and he was just on my mind. It was just a random tweet. I do that stuff sometimes. <laughs> and you do other things sometimes too, obviously. Is there a child alive? <laughs> is, there, is there an almost grown man alive that has more of a negative homeschooled vibe than Justin Bieber? <laughs> negative homeschool like, vibe. I know I know people who went homeschool and like turned out he is like when homeschooling goes, goes wrong. wrong. Okay. Yeah. I just think it's so funny, too, that he's calling out Tom Cruise like Tom Cruise is a punk. I mean, yeah, Tom Fight Cruise me. does some of his stunts, I believe, oh, right? Yeah. Most of them. Yes. Like, he wants to oh, do that. Yeah. Like, the thing, too, yeah, he called out someone who's twice his age, shorter than him, and right. who could crush him. More than likely. Crush him More broke than likely. his leg on a stunt and kept running. Yeah. <laughs> and he's and, and he also had he's amped up on a little bit of crazy too. It's like you cannot mess with people like that. I don't I, know what 
what he's I just love the octagon. I know that's a thing in like <laughs> MMA or whatever, but it just makes me think of like I think there's an old Chuck Norris movie called The Octagon. It just, it just seems like there's oh, gotta honey, be calm down. So dramatic. <laughs> my, it's my, so the, my, funny. my favorite thing that came out of all this is that because uh, Bieber is 25 and uh, and Tom Cruise is 20 is 56, people were he's... saying like, okay, well, who is a celebrity that is 31 years older than you <laughs> right. that you would challenge to a fight? And uh, I looked at my list and it was like, oof, Robert Redford or Chris. Christopherson and either one could probably take me. If I was Tom Cruise, I would get in the octagon and I would just take my belt off and give him a whooping. <laughs> just like like your mama and your daddy should have done years ago. Get over here, homeschool. <laughs> That's right. Get over this knee. Homeschool. I'm gonna just be thinking of who's 31 years older than me, but I'm so young that like oh, I know. they're barely born. I know. I mean? Those I'm like they're those fetuses. people are 32. They're like yeah. they're busy being Instagram stars. Right. So, right. Yes. all right well it's time for us to take a break to hear from another maximum fun show when we come back we'll talk about the dark phoenix we are the host of my brother my brother me and now nearly 10 years into our podcast the secret can be revealed all the clues are in place and the world's greatest treasure hunt can now begin embedded in each episode of my brother my brother and me is a micro clue that will lead you to 14 precious gemstones all around this big beautiful blue world of ours so start coming through the episodes uh let's say starting at episode 101 on yeah the early episodes are pretty problematic so there's no clues in those episodes no no not at all the better ones the good ones clues ahoy listen to every episode repeatedly in sequence laugh if you must but mainly get all the great clues my brother my brother me it's an advice show kind of but a treasure hunt mainly anywhere you find podcasts or treasure maps my brother my brother me the hunt is on Welcome back to Who Shot Ya? I'm your guest host, Kimberly Clark, and joining me in the studio today are... Drea Clark. Rachel Winitsky. Alonzo Duraldi. Great. And today we're talking about Dark Phoenix. Alonzo, can you give us... <laughs> Go on. Say it. <laughs> Alonzo, can you give us a one-sentence synopsis of the film? If you aren't able to give us a one-sentence synopsis, Drea can finish the synopsis in two additional sentences okay we're now being actively trolled by our producers (laughs) every week they want less from us for the synopsis one word i'll give you i'll give this movie one sentence okay Okay, fine uh gene gray eats a space cloud and becomes really powerful and she doesn't know how to control it and uh jessica chastain looks like edgar winter and wants to steal it from her (laughs) yeah he did it i don't even need to use that was perfect i thought you were gonna say tilda swinton because i was like Jessica Chastain really became Tilda Swinton in this movie. For yeah, me. she did have. A Tilda I had Swinton some vibe. major. I went major right to Edgar thoughts. Winter, though. If you'll notice, I literally colored my eyebrows. Like after watching that movie, I was like, "Oh no, no, no! Dark it up, Blondie. Like it is not a look. Get the pencil out. Yeah, I'll I'll start because um, you guys, I didn't totally hate it. Neither really? Did I. Yeah, edge of my seat. I will say so. I've watched all of the, not to brag, I've watched all of the X-Men motion pictures. Um, and Apocalypse, even though it starred like the ball of charisma that is Oscar Isaac, I was I was like, what are you doing with him? What are you, you have this amazing bench of talent. The story was the most goobly gloppy. It was all spectacle nonsense. So when I was watching this one, I didn't have the anno- I love this as a as a positive. Listen, the best thing is I was not annoyed or bored in the same way that I was with the previous film. <laughs> but in a different way entirely. <laughs> in a different way. No, no, I agree with you. It's not the worst of the X movies and definitely yeah, Apocalypse, you know, X-Men Origins, Wolverine, and The Last Stand are all... I did. I have to do with this ranking for the rap that I updated. Oh, interesting. A new one comes out and this was like, okay, not the bottom, but it... it I almost kind of it almost would have been better if it had made me more angry because it just it feels like when people talk about you know corporate filmmaking and this these sort of movies that exist as product and not as anybody's art, that's how this felt and and yeah when you talk about the deep bench I'm sitting there thinking this is a this is there's a new Jennifer Lawrence movie in theaters there's a new Jessica Chastain movie there's a new Michael Fassbender movie and it's this. <laughs> You know, I, and I, I, I just, I, I kept waiting to care about something. What did you guys think? Okay, so 
I did a weird thing, which is that I had never seen any of the new X-Men movies. Good. And I just saw this Same. at 3.30 <laughs> yes. in the afternoon. And then on the plane. You're yeah, yeah, thank you. On the plane, on the way here, I watched X-Men First Class and X-Men Apocalypse. Oh, so wow. So I'm now mo- way more familiar yes. <laughs> with the franchise. You're in. Um, You know, I didn't hate it. And I probably liked it more because I haven't seen the other ones, even though from what I heard the other ones are uh at least apocalypse and last stand are are worse but i felt like as a standalone movie if a big if a big like superhero action movie can have a simple story and tell it well and have motivations for the characters and not feel like it was like 10 scripts that got like all combined into one i'm like on board <laughs> like it felt it's basically you've been beaten down by <laughs> superhero been down, movies like, i was like they told they told the story well i like cared enough i love x-men like i loved the original x-men movies and i like read the comics when i was a kid and i like kind of can just watch x-men movies i think and be happy but i didn't hate it as much as i thought it would. i had fun good we have two of those Kimberly. <laughs> my niece who ironically is named raven oh. um also Head. a shapeshifter, I'm assuming? She may be. <laughs> but is she so Raven? <laughs> <laughs> well, she had to guide me through it because I didn't watch any of the new ones either. So I saw First Class. I saw Future Days Past. Days of Future, Days Past. Future Past. Oh, I mixed it up, but you knew what I was talking about. Sure. <laughs> that one I actually loved. That one's great. Yeah, and after seeing that and then seeing Dark Phoenix... I was a little bit disappointed because that one was so playful and just fun, you know, whereas this one, it was just very textbook to me and I didn't enjoy it as much. It was completely humorless. Yeah, it there was, was no so humor most, most of the X-Men films lack any kind of like snark or levity. Yeah, they're all this in the one Deadpool for sure. movies. Yeah. Right. They, they yeah. put them all in those. It's so funny that they, it's almost yeah. like Marvel was like, okay, Guardians of the Galaxy can be fun. Nothing else Nothing can else. be. Right. Well, these aren't, these aren't directly yeah. Marvel. Like they're, right. they, they will be in 10 ago. years okay. when Marvel redoes them. Um, exactly. But currently or or in not. two, who knows? Yeah. I think that one of the reasons I appreciated parts of this film is I felt like, do you, uh, do you know a palimpsest, the idea of oh, yeah. paper that's been written on so many times you can see like the other things were written before mm-hmm. it's bleached out? I kind of got that. So I didn't get that weird mushing of script or feeling mm-hmm. notes, but it was more, I felt like Simon Kinberg, yes. um, the, who directed this officially for the first time. He's yes. written on a few of them and stepped in to cover for Brian Singer on some others. Oh, put a pin in that. I want to come yeah. back to yeah, that. Yeah, yeah, we can lot. definitely come back to that. But I felt like... He was responding to the shit show that was Apocalypse and was like, all right, you know what? I'm going to get rid of the spectacle, the mm-hmm. nonsense of it. I want a, a stripped down story. And obviously, like, the, the Dark Phoenix, Jean Grey origin, like, has its own storyline that he's cl- adhering to or not. But I liked that he was paring it down. And it's like at times I kept seeing themes rising that I was like, oh, you're so Mm -hmm, close. Like mm -hmm. I was getting the sense of like, oh, you're almost there. (laughs) And in ways it reminded me, I was like, this film wants to be Captain Marvel. Like there's so many similarities to Captain Marvel. And one of the things about this movie, like uh, William Bibiani reviewed this for me at The Wrap and I thought he made a really good point that I didn't hit onto immediately, which is that it's kind of the same story as Captain Marvel in that Mm -hmm. it's about a woman who has these cosmic powers sort of dumped on her without, you know, by by sheer accident. And she has people manipulating her mind to not let her know exactly who she is and what she's capable of. He says, but the difference is in Captain Marvel, the people who manipulate her mind are the bad guys. And we know they're the bad guys because they're doing it. Whereas this movie tries to make us go, oh, well, Professor X meant well Mm -hmm. by, you know, throwing up all these walls after her parents died or her mom dies, you know, and like blocking her access to her own emotions. We're supposed to forgive him for that, even though it's as awful as what Jude Law does to Captain Marvel, you know, so the, the so, you know, it's it just that it, it takes away the agency of like her righteous anger. The, it's like, well, you know, like give, give him a break. He meant well, well. We're supposed to forgive him, but we are against him for a good amount of this, which yeah. I found really interesting. I thought that was, I was I was into that, and I don't. I think, like for for what you're saying, Alonzo, like I don't know if they nailed it. Like mm-hmm. I don't. I don't think they 
did it 100%. They were at least chasing right? it, though. <laughs> but, like, in theory, the idea that, like, one of the villains is someone that we are supposed to love and be on his side, I thought was, like, a very interesting mm-hmm. take on this. And, like, there because there is something, like, weird and sort of sinister in a way of being, like, I'm going to gather the mutants and... and uh, I'm going to train For them sure. in my right. vision. Like, that is kind of, like, insane. If you have a single person... I was having a different conversation about this today, but if you have a single person determining without oversight what is right and wrong... Yeah. Right. And then, literally, he's building an army of super-powered children out of it. Mm-hmm. So we've had all of this time of looking up him as, like, this benevolent father figure and all of these. And because of that, like, I thought that, again, they didn't stick all of it, but I liked the arc of... Xavier in this, the arc of Xavier. The arc of Xavier. <laughs> I mean, I think if they had pursued that more, yes, there was there was an interesting idea that yeah. they didn't know what to do with, and plus, but also like Magneto at this point, it's like, yeah, you killed some people at some point, but we're just gonna not really he get killed, into that. Yeah, he killed JFK. He took a shot at Nixon, <laughs> and, and now like, he's just like hanging out in a summer he almost camp. Caused the yeah. Cuban Missile Crisis. Yeah. yeah, he like did so much shit, and they're like, you know what? It's fine if you and whatever mutants you can find just want to hang out. This. Yeah, mm-hmm. and you want to go live in the in the 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 the, the scorch trials, whatever the hell's yeah. going on. Right? Right, Water right. world. <laughs> it does have like the exact same scene as Captain Marvel at the end, though, yes. where, where it's like your emotions make you weak, and she's like, "No, bitch, my emotions make me strong." They apparently <laughs> reshot the ending of this after Captain Marvel. Like there was, because it is. The, they were like it was, it's the whole time similar? I was watching it. I'm like. And they had to be pissed how similar. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, because the... they shot, they originally shot this movie like two summers ago. Oh, yeah. It's and then they kept changing underway, the yeah. ending and like retooling it. And part of this whole movie, feel, like I said, feeling like it, it never, it, it, this didn't feel like anybody was driven to make it. It just felt like we have this slot to fill. Mm-hmm. It, 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 the, I feel like the energy, whatever there was, any kind of momentum in the X series has long fizzled out. The actors don't seem like they really want to be yeah. there. Yeah. You know, I, I like <laughs> I felt the, that, definitely. I, Jennifer Lawrence <laughs> was clearly oh, like God, you have yes. to kill me off I have to go do another movie yeah I'm so dying or <laughs> yeah. I'm not coming back but they all they all came they were done with their like Jennifer Lawrence James McAvoy Michael Fassman they were already contractually done they agreed to do another because they believed in Simon so hmm. that's the thing of like um, there's a layer of this story when they pitched it to the actors to whatever I can see that I could see someone pitching this to me and me being like oh interesting I like Raven calling Xavier out on how mm-hmm. he's taken advantage of the team and using it now for his own whatever I like this idea like there's ideas at play there that I found infinitely more interesting than, like, Apocalypse. I'm like, wait, he's a purple Mayan? What am I? Right. <laughs> <laughs> I kind of liked him, though. Yeah. That's yeah. Let, let's go back to Brian Singer, because it, 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 it's interesting what failure does. Like, I, I, have, I have a friend who's sort of industry adjacent. He talks about how, like, you can tell there are certain movies where the invisible signal goes out where everybody is allowed to shit talk it and basically yes. like poo poo its its opportunities. Mm-hmm. And this movie has you know definitely kind of come came sort of limping into theaters with this like awful rep. Well, and that felt like Bohemian Rhapsody too, which he also had as well. Yeah, but stink. but that but that wound up being a hit though. But I mean, the the thing about this one though is a, after on the Monday when they were reporting how shitty this one opened at, we suddenly start hearing news. Well, you know, actually, you know, Kinberg, it's his first time as a director, but he 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 oh, yeah. and like you know uh, all these other people pinch hit for for Singer on the last like three X-Men movies when he just walked away at some point and I'm like wait whoa 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 like everybody knew about Bohemian Rhapsody but this is a thing that's been going on for like four movies and he keeps getting hired yeah. like it goes back to the, the thing about women in animation yeah. it's like you know how many women have directed like the first uh, movie in a franchise and then get booted for a dude or like make one movie that doesn't make that doesn't do well and and don't go to movie jail for 10 years Catherine Hardwick yeah you know yeah exactly that you that we could be here all day but like how many fucking times do you get to like leave a production in the middle of shooting and keep getting hired? Well, That's insane. Yeah. And the wording was like, oh, they would just step in when he didn't show up to set. Oh my god. No. Why, why was he not showing up? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> How many times could his mom die? That was his excuse for Whoa. Bohemian Rhapsody, but come on. Oh my god. That's I do, so crazy. My other Brian my other Brian singer of it is 
X-Men, it's built into the ether or the sort of mythology of the X-Men that they are one of the few superheroes who are othered, right? Like sure. there's this whole thing of what sets them apart. It makes them not human. Like other than you got your like your man of steel where he's Jesus. So I guess that sets him <laughs> apart. Um, but, you know, a lot of these like the event, they're, they're, they're discriminated yeah. against. And so the X-Men was always... Something, especially at the beginning when Singer started them, one of the things that was noteworthy was that it was the stand-in for homosexuality. There was a stand-in for racism. There was a stand-in. They were able to be representative of underdogs, like prejudiced underdogs. Prejudices? You know. Uh, Prejudiced against. Thank you. Thank you. But that has also kind of evaporated. And so now... There's this idea of that the you that there's these people with all these powers and this guy is like has a school of them and this other guy has a weird shipping container <laughs> yard full of them. So, but it's taken away like oh what makes you special makes you feared makes you know yeah. and I, I I missed having that as part of the texture as well. Mm-hmm. Right, like I I mean I love X too. And it makes me so sad that Brian Singer directed it. But uh, I, I, mean, I feel you. It was such a good, it really was such a good metaphor for like, it, I think there's literally the scene where like he goes home to his parents and they're like, have you tried like not being a mutant? Like, yes. Yes. Yeah. And then yeah. he like, he turns the coffee into iced coffee, which is mm-hmm. awesome. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and his mom's like, she drops, she drops the cup. If I was his mom, I'd be like, oh, my God, what a cool skill. You have to <laughs> right. rub my nose in your mutant scene. <laughs> yeah. I wanted that coffee hot. Um, but it's such a perfect metaphor. And, like, yeah, you're right. It just totally – it's almost like there are too many mutants have done, like, actually terrible things that now you're like, okay, well, yeah, I understand why they'd be feared. <laughs> right. Oh, that's interesting. Yeah. Where they built it to is it's hard to make it just that they – Although there's other people who have done that in an interesting way. Truthfully, Black Panther kind of has that, right? Like Michael mm. B. Jordan's character yeah. mm-hmm. is like the bad guy, but everything he's saying, you're like, he's yeah, got he's a point. Kind of yeah. Right. So, yeah. 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 Um, and they didn't they didn't take that angle yeah, at all. Yeah, they don't ha- they're not handling complexities very well in this uh, well, and, and as much <laughs> as I like the idea movie. of like we're gonna strip it down a little after the ridiculous excess of, of apocalypse, the idea that you have an entire action sequence that is built around can they cross a streets i know it's so <laughs> it's ridiculous like, wow but to really me, that was like the perfect example if he was like all right so in the last one magneto like tore up like 14 bridges because he loves to fuck up a bridge mm. and then there's like just spinning all of these things and they're like what's the simplest action they can do cross the street we're gonna have eight of them try for 15 minutes Hilarious. and so like that actually and then it turned from there into Snowpiercer I was yes, I was okay with that oh god if there had been a chicken on the other side of the road that would have made that whole sequence work for me what did you guys think of Sansa Stark's performance sorry <laughs> oh yeah because that's all I could think of when I was she's looking she's a queen at of the her. north that's fair um I think that she's very talented and has a very specific skill set and like regalness like it or not mm-hmm. but um mm-hmm. she uh, yeah she could have done more like uh, to me it was another sort of missed opportunity of i think she did fine with what she had mm-hmm. um but i also felt like she was ready to do you know what i mean like ready to hunger games that bitch like yeah she's i think more talented than the script allowed her allowed her it also like what a tough role i mean because she is literally just the entire movie. She's like, the film. Ah, ooh, like, she's always laying in bed, like, yeah. like writhing. Yeah. <laughs> she's always, like, having a moan. What it's is harder. happening? What <laughs> is it? That yeah. would be my performance, so now you know how good hers was. <laughs> I mean, I've, I've never watched Game of Thrones, so I didn't have another reference point for her. But this whole movie is people who are, like, you know deserve a better script you know this, yeah. this is this is the classic example of the old gene siskel joke about how like is this movie more interesting than a documentary about this cast having lunch right <laughs> right like jennifer lawrence is literally famous because she like goes on interviews and talks about how like she farted and then <laughs> uh, like in this movie she's just like xavier you're going too far like it's the most <laughs> it's like we know that she's fun and then she gets in on this set and gets to do nothing i thought yeah. she right. was fine but again with what she was done you know who brings it in all of these? And every time I'm like, man, you fucking give 110%. Michael Fassbender. Michael Fassbender in this one had like a total dramatic. He in the in the 
is it Apocalypse? Like where his he's like married with child. Oh and then yeah. They're oh, killed, in the flashback. And he's yeah, like, I think so, yeah. oh my god, he's had the worst life. That guy. Terrible <laughs> life. <laughs> Poor Magneto. But that guy's like, I'm ready. I came ready to I act. Know. <laughs> Point me in the right direction. He's like, I've been living as Magneto for a year. Yeah. <laughs> I love how many times in Apocalypse he says, "It's not Eric." It's Magneto. <laughs> <laughs> Eric. Eric. <laughs> Some, somebody on Twitter said, I just like to think of this as the end of the Ty Sheridan Wears Goggles trilogy. Oh, my God. <laughs> it's like, oh, talk about a thankless thing for an actor. Wait, Ready Player One, what was the other one? No, no, no. In, in, he's, he's played Cyclops three times now. Oh, I was thinking of Ready Player One because he also wears the goggles. Oh, right. Oh. You're right. You're right. Wow. Oh, brother. See now, uh-huh. now he needs a third. Now I'm or ready. Maybe to there talk is a third one, and I just misread oh, the joke. Okay. I don't know. <laughs> uh, you got me questioning everything. Yeah, like, I know. Give That's us Ty so Sheridan's crazy. eyes. He has them. I'd rather be blue. I think in a movie, <laughs> I'd rather yeah. be blue than. And there you those shades. Why are you? Why is <laughs> blue everyone means... blue in this? Okay, movie? I had the same yeah. question. I was like, is there no? Why? Nightcrawler and Beast and Raven. And Raven. Like, All no blue. Other, blue. No other shades? Smurfs. You do not want to be... Blue means you get to make up five hours before everybody else. Ugh, mm. Those glasses imagine. you yeah, just wake slip up. on. That's right, true. It's yeah. easy. I mean, even Nicholas Holt, like, better than this. You oh, know? yeah. He's Let's not something. leave him out. He's just, such a cutie, though. He so is. Cute. I mean, although I, I feel weird finding him attractive because I still remember that he was in About a, a Boy. Because he was the boy. <laughs> yeah. I remember him from Skins, which really helped... Um, mm. pain oh, over gotcha. the ickiness of <laughs> Wait, who did Nicholas Holt play? Beast. 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 Hank oh, Beast. He is adorable. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> He's such a He's cutie. Cute. I do Very like cute. that both he, because we talked about this when we watched Shazam, but he and Ty Sheridan had that upside down triangle body that they make all superhero men get. Oh, like, yeah, yeah. Why, why did Ty Sheridan need to be doing this many pull-ups for <laughs> X-Men? His, his fucking eye power is yeah, in his eyeballs. Yeah, he doesn't need to be like, strong. What's he <laughs> right. need to lift? Oh, yeah. Say, he's like, yeah, yeah y'all, y'all enjoy your workout. I'm going to be over here enjoying his these, girlfriend ten, is these yeah. 10 candy bars. I got yeah. lasers out of my eyes. Right? <laughs> yeah. Um, which movie? Oh, yeah, yeah. Because there are other... Action films with female leads that have there been are? there are <laughs> Alonzo, huh? Moana. Have you heard? Hey, friend, <laughs> have I got news for you? For me, obviously, we you know the the Captain Marvel of it, but one of the ones on here, like Charlize Theron in Atomic Blonde, makes me happy for days. I no, well, I have I've to say that you have to remember that you're talking about movies in which women actually like punch and kick people and That's shoot fair. guns. This is a movie with a lot of like Tai that Chi Bob is... Fosse, mm-hmm. like <laughs> like Michael Fassbender standing there whooshing his hands around <laughs> next to next to Sansa Stark who is whooshing her hands. She around. does a lot of whooshing. She does. <laughs> she also, you know, when they show the the Phoenix power coming through her. Her face gets these cracks in it. Yeah. yeah. And she's starting in her eyes. And I was like, this girl had to spend so much time in a green screen with someone mm-hmm. being like, all right, so now <laughs> he has just come up to you. You're even madder. Right. You know, more mad. Take it to eight. Yeah. Her hair looked great in every scene, though. I have it's to Okay, the, the hair, there's a scene of her and Jessica Chastain, and all of the hair is CGI'd in it. And I still was like, I need to deep condition my locks. <laughs> like, I was so jealous of their CGI I hair. I know, when she's like, floating yes. mm-hmm. and like her hair is blowing I was like I want to get married again so I can float down the aisle like <laughs> yeah. dark scene yes, yes, yes. oh wait last no, I don't know I might have another question yeah. but maybe my last question I felt very weird about her one of the things she does this power move where she makes Xavier walk, walk okay, up I, the stairs that was and I was like I don't know how I'm meant to feel right now. That felt actually crazy. Yeah. It felt so bad. Yeah, yeah it was, was abusive crazy. or something. I don't yes. know. It was very That's, weird. It was such a out of character. I was like, even at this point, we're supposed, is it that I'm supposed to think there's no gene left in her at all because she would never do something so horrible? I, right. Anyway. Yeah, it was a weird moment. Uh, I, I just wanted I, to make sure everybody else felt <laughs> terrible. Yeah. I, I didn't, when I when I was a comic book reader, like hardcore, I, I did not really read X-Men a lot, but I did read this. Marvel comic called What If, where basically they would sort of present like, you know, instead of like, what if Spider-Man's Uncle Ben hadn't been murdered? That kind of thing, you know, like these sort of alternate possibilities. And one of them was, what if Dark Phoenix hadn't died? Because in the comics, you know, she dies and there's this whole thing where she like 
she eats a planet, right? And yeah. like she has mm-hmm. to go on trial with the Shi'ar or whatever. Anyway, but in this one, it's like they, they basically work around a thing where she doesn't die. And then, of course, she just consumes the universe because mm-hmm. she ultimately, her, her power grows so huge and so uncontrollable that it just expands outward. And I was like, huh. Well, that's pretty cool, you know. And so any movie, I guess, was going to be inevitably disappointing because I wasn't going to get to see her eat her the eat universe. The universe. You know? Wow. So should we screen it, stream it, or skip it? What do you guys think? I'll go first. I'm going to say stream it. I think that this is something. If I was home, um, I would be fine watching. I would be fine watching. <laughs> so dismissive. <laughs> what a condescending uh, hey, vote. They're, they're going to want to put that quote in yeah. the trailer. <laughs> this DVD is not yet out, so get ready for I would watch it. It's fine. Drea Clark. I guess. <laughs> yes, it's on and I'll watch it. Um, okay, well, maybe this is controversial, but I'm going to say screen it. Ooh. Um, I think that movies like this are not that exciting to watch at home. Ooh, like, I think that they're, like, made for big screens, and the movie itself is maybe not good enough to watch on yeah. a small screen. So <laughs> while it's out, I would say go have fun and see the big fights and sne- see the cool Snowpiercer <laughs> segment, yeah. and then uh, don't think about it again. <laughs> Uh, I agree with you in theory, but I'm going to say skip it because I thought this was, (laughs) again, it wasn't even like, it wasn't even the the kind of movie that I enjoyed hating the way I enjoyed hating something like Suicide Squad. Sure. It was was just, it was just, eh. you know, it was just, it's it's a movie I saw. (laughs) How about you? Kimberly? I would say I would see that in a theater. Yes. After watching the other ones. Prior to the, <laughs> after your crash course, yeah, after my crash course, and I crammed. Um, I definitely would want to see this in the theaters because you know for the action sure. and the CGI and all the that hair. stuff. You're gonna the need hair. to know how to cross this road. Right? <laughs> yeah, I might need that someday. Yeah, yeah, definitely. It was nothing if not educational. Yeah. <laughs> all right, guys. Well, it's time for us to take a break and hear from another Maximum Fun show. When we come back, we'll talk about the movie franchises we would red light if given the chance. Well, Alexis, we got big news. Uh Uh-oh. Season one, done. It's over. Season two, coming at you hot. Three years after. (laughs) Three and a half. Season one. Technically almost four years. All right. And now, listen, here at Can I Pet Your Dog, the Smash Hit Podcast, our seasons run for three and a half years. (laughs) And then at season two, we come at you with new, hot co-hosts. Named you. Hi, I'm Alexis. <laughs> and I also have uh, field troops. Dog tech. Yeah. Dog news. Dog news. Celebrity guests. Oh, big shots. Will not let them talk about their resume. Nope. Only yeah, the dogs. Only the dogs. I mean, if ever you were going to get into Can I Pet Your Dog. Now's the time. Get in here every Tuesday at MaximumFun.org. Welcome back to Who Shot Ya. I'm guest host Kimberly Clark, and joining me in the studio today are Alonzo Duralde, Rachel Winitsky, Drea Clark. As Dark Phoenix's lackluster box office numbers show, studios can't count on moviegoers to shell out money to see a movie just because it's part of a franchise that's had success in the past. It's clear that studio heads haven't quite figured out which franchises deserve to continue and which franchises need to die or have new life breathed into them. For this segment, we're going to help studio executives out by sharing our unsolicited opinions on a handful of franchises. It goes without saying that they can take our advice to the bank because we have our fingers on the pulse of what moviegoers want. Yes, we do. They're so lucky that we're doing this. I love holding pulses. (laughs) Before we get started, what criteria, if any, are you using to determine which or not it's time for a movie franchise to shutter? It's kind of an intangible. I mean, I, you know, I think sometimes, like, if, it, if it's been bad several entries in a mm. row, it's sort of like, or you just get this impression that, like, okay, we're just out of ideas now, and we're kind of spinning our wheels. Or, conversely, is it something that's reinvented itself in an interesting way and therefore kind of deserves to keep, to let me live with my fingers on its pulse? <laughs> mm-hmm. That's how pulse that's, that's hold, how pulses holding works. Right? That, yeah. that became dirty somehow, but okay. <laughs> I meant threatening. Oh, story of my life. <laughs> I mean, okay, well, case in point. Like, oh. I think, like, the James Bond franchise just does not die ever. And I think part of how is, like, they, I mean, they don't always do it well. There have been some some missteps along the way. But, I mean, they've managed to keep that horse going for, like, 50 
plus years now. Um, I think it's 107. <laughs> I, mean, it's, I think it's, yeah. it's going on 60 at least. Yeah. Uh, by like, okay, well, now what? And who now? And, how, you know, like, it's the kind of thing that the comic books used to do where, like, you know, Batman and Superman would be around for 30, 40, 50 years mm -hmm. and they would just kind of be in this hamster wheel of stasis where mm -hmm. people didn't age and, you know, the world around them changed, but they were always sort of firmly locked into this one thing. And so, you know, James Bond is never going to be 80 and he's never going to be 25, you know. Uh, James Bond's actually a great example, too, of a film franchise that's because it's been around so for so long. We've seen it had to adhere to its fundamental IP of what James Bond is, but then adjust sort of to fit the times. Like, mm -hmm. to me, the amazing dark yet also bright and sparkly spot was in the 90s. Like, I love the Pierce, Pierce Brosnan. Brosnan era? Okay. I love Pierce Brosnan. I think he was a great Bond. But what they were doing then, it just was like, how ridiculous can we get it? And on paper, you're like, okay, sure. There, You know, there was... A guy had a cave full of sharks, and there's a laser <laughs> pointing at a dick and balls. Like, obviously, we can go ridiculous. But then when you watch the Pierce Brosnan ones, you're like, are they racing a car through an ice house right now? Is that <laughs> what I'm watching? So the re to me, the most recent iteration of that with the... Um, Daniel Craig, yeah. I've loved all of these. I Like, I loved Casino. All of them? Okay, I mean, uh -oh. some of them I'll watch more than others, but I've liked them all. Even okay. Quantum of Solace, bless its dumb heart. But when Casino Royale came out, I cried at that. I was like, this is amazing. This is, I recognize this Bond, but it's telling me something new. It feels of this moment, but classic. I've only seen the Daniel Craig James Bonds. I really... What I like about them is that I have been able to sort of like go in and out and not see all of them and still like enjoy each oh, that's the a movies good point, like yeah. on their own. Because even like Mission Impossible, it's like the, if you just see one, you've like missed a lot of information. Mm -hmm. um, whereas this feels like something that you can kind of jump into. And also like it's just never that premise is never going to stop being fun. True. Yeah. I mean, it's a. It's a white dude who kills people yeah. in exotic locations. And like the, the usually after having sex, it's a with white guy who has a license to kill. Also, he's accredited. The fact that change and like recasting James Bond is something that's like now built into the DNA of the franchise, True, like yes. mm -hmm. adds another element where it's like people are excited to know like who's the next James Bond going to be. Like, no, I, I kind of sat out the Brosnan one, so I'm sort of the same way. Like I sort of come in and out, and yeah, like, depending it, on who it is. Yeah, like the Roger Moore was the Bond of my childhood, and so mm -hmm. it wasn't until later that. Like, oh, wait, John Connery, you know, and I will I will stick up for George Lazenby just because I think Honor Majesty's Secret Service That's my favorite standalone one. Yes. Yeah. It's awesome. Um, And I will say for the new one, I'm excited. It's the Carrie Fukunaga. 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 Fukunaga, James Bond, and Phoebe Waller-Bridge is doing punch-ups to the yes. script. So that oh, could, that could be super These are all things we like. Yeah. Totally. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I, don't, I just feel like, do you think franchises just in general are dying, like for this generation? Uh, or I mean, Marvel doesn't how? think so. Yeah, no, there's Marvel. There's like yeah. Fantastic Beasts is like continuing the Harry Potter franchise. But I think as far as like a franchise in general, like you know the Fast and the Furious. Um, I forgot about you know, that. You know, you're you're right. The the they they're still milking the Harry Potter cash cow. Like I think every studio has at least one that yeah. they're sort of sitting on that is like they're kind of well everything else may suck wind this year, but we've got. Chapter 14 of bleh coming out. You know, well, if you look at the out. last 10 years of what's done well in the box office, at this point, like 80% of the top 10 films of every year are sequels or franchises. Yeah. Okay. yeah. Like, they're going nowhere. Or at least, or if nothing else, it's IP of some sort. You like, know, like Toy yeah. Story, we're going to just see forever. Shrek, we're going to see forever. Mm-hmm. The Shrek franchise. <laughs> I like that that was your go-to. <laughs> um, you mentioned the Mission Impossible movies, and you're right. There is more of a character arc that goes from movie to movie in those than the Bond ones do. But that, And that's another one I think that's really kind of managed to always uh, – I think the tricky part with that one is they keep upping the ante, and at some point the ante just can't be upped. You well, know? because Tom Cruise is going to die. Exactly. <laughs> like, what's he going to – what What else can he, like, climb, fall out of? <laughs> In or, real life, yeah. Yeah, you know. Um, speaking of upping the ante, the Fast and Furious franchise is nothing but – because that's one that has a narrative thread throughout. Like, you mm -hmm. have to know so much more about 15 different lead cast members yeah. than you would yeah. ever You're like, imagine. when did they have a daughter? You're like, exactly. <laughs> I'm you have to remember that the that family is important. Family is important. Family right. is family. <laughs> While I hold my corona. Yes. <laughs> but those are ones, like, you have to keep all that in mind. But also, they keep, they're like, 
All right. We're going to shoot in Abu Dhabi. Yeah. Abu Dhabi. That's where they shot. Abu Dhabi. That's Abby a place. Dhabi. And we're going to jump this car from the 18th floor to the 17th Through floor. Through a building. Oh, my of God. Of the building, the super tower next to it. Sorry. And meanwhile, Helen Mirren is going to be the mom yes. of the guy who oh, yeah. killed Han at yes. the end of Tokyo Drift. There's a through line, but also... Everybody's allegiance to switch all the time. You're fine. What, oh, what about something entirely different? The Hangover. The Hangover, three picture uh, franchise. <laughs> Never they, a fan. Did they milk not that? Not even the first one? Not even the first one. Are they slated to make more? No. Oh, no. Oh, okay. They're gone. I hope not. We don't have to red light that because it's been red lit. Because it's been red lit already. Yeah. I'm sure Got to it. them it told the complete story that it needed to tell. I th- mm. but you know what, I, you know what I would like to see as a franchise of that ilk, sort of, if, if they wanted to do it, is Girls Trip. Ugh, I loved Girls Trip. <gasps> yes! I would watch like, I would watch them go to every city in America. I thought you were going to say Bridesmaids. You know, I've kind of given up on Bridesmaids because it's been so long at this oh, point. Oh, they're also yeah. long in the tooth now. <laughs> no, I mean, they're clearly not interested in doing it. It's but, true. like, I think Girls Trip is recent enough that they can be like, eh, no, we'll do well, Girls one, Trip you know. also feels really re- re- uh, refillable, whereas mm. Bridesmaids feels like so tied to that like this one wedding act, thing. right? Like right. a girls' yeah. trip, That's you true. can go on a trip anytime, right? And the yeah. whole thing is just like. all get married over and over. <laughs> <laughs> but I'm afraid it will suffer from the hangover. It'll be right. A well, repeat yeah, that, of that. that's the thing. Yeah. I mean, it's like a part of me wants it, and part of me is like, no, let's don't not do, do it. That. Girls' Trip but, just yeah. made me laugh. Like, so hard in the theater. Like, oh, yeah. I never yeah. laughed in a movie theater. <laughs> no, I was in pain. The only, like, 22 Jump Street leaps to mind is one where it's mm-hmm. like, okay, they actually did a comedy sequel yeah. and they made it funny again. Mm-hmm. And they didn't just do the exact same movie twice. But yeah. I don't know that. National I think... Lampoon, I think they kind of pulled it off with some of their. But that's interesting. Does that count as a franchise? If it's is it all a franchise? Lampoon? Well, like, like the, vacation. The vacation movies a... are a yeah. franchise. Yeah. yeah. Those are the best movies ever. Yeah. To uh, me. All of them. Uh, they're all, no, no. Some of them are so terrible and I'll still count them, them as the best. Um, so this is sort of recent because they've just, we talked about they've just recast Batman. Mm. The um, Batman franchise. The, Batman. oh, the Batmans are coming. The over. Batmans have been around <laughs> forever in different versions. Um what do we think of that as a franchise? Well, you know, it's kind of funny that, uh, you know, we were talking about, like, when when does Disney going to reboot the X-Men? And it's like, you know, there wasn't that long that elapsed between Batman and Robin and Batman Begins. Yeah. And Batman and Robin was like, oh, we're done. Yes. We're just stick a fork in it. Like, forget it. And, you know, clearly if you can completely overhaul it. If, if the if the character is beloved enough or, or people are interested enough in what your new spin is going to be, they will forgive, you know. So, like, yeah, if, if some cool young director, like, you know, comes off of some, like, edgy Sundance movie, it's like, no, I, I, I want to make the X-Men matter again, then, yeah, I think audiences will go for it in a second. The interesting thing about the Batman franchise, <laughs> um, I'm never going to stop I saying that this. now. Good. It's, about, it's all about cricket. The Batman, <laughs> yes. That uh, Those are ones, when they've brought in a new creative voice, they have let them just like let their own flag yeah. fly. Mm. Like the Tim Burton versus Christopher Nolan. Do you know what I mean? The, yeah. They're the, so different. Yeah, yeah. They, they let they let the directors really have like their own take on it. And then it's very exciting because you're like, oh, right. this beloved thing that I really liked already, I'm now liking for a different reason in a different way. And I think that's the thing that Frank franchises get into that's that tricky area of like people want to see something that they're familiar with and that Mm. they know going in already but they don't want to see the same old thing again so you have to like dress up a familiar concept or character or whatever and then but you know put put some kind of you know Exactly. Is that what you're going to say? Bed- I, was, I felt like the word bedazzle was going to I, I, I think I was thinking zhuzh, but I'll go with bedazzle too. I was thinking lipstick on a pig, lipstick so a you pig. guys went yeah, a yeah. whole different. No, it's so true. It's like I haven't seen any of the new Spider-Man, the Spider-Man movies. Yes. Oh. Oh, Spider-Man. The but amazing I, Spider-Man. The Spider-Man. Yeah. But I mm. loved Into the Spider-Verse oh, yeah. so yes. much. And it was like, okay, finally, like somebody is just like. Starting from scratch and doing something completely unique with this sort of tired franchise. 
and it was so exciting. Actually, the new Spider-Mans have been at least the, the first <laughs> one was great. And I'm, I'm about to see the second one, which I hope is. Really I I good. actually am, I I will watch them, and I'm excited. I've heard they're oh, great. Oh God, I forgot entirely about the Tom Hollands. I was still yes. thinking of Andrew yeah. Warfield. Oh yeah. The, oh. In, I didn't they, see any. They I'm did excited those for the so Tom Holland. close to see, each other. See, that's another example. So close. Amazing Spider-Man Two. It was like, ugh, this is bullshit. Forget it. And like it it put the kibosh on this this whole like Secret Six movie they were going to do, and da da da. And then not long after, oh no, now it's going to be under the sort of Disney Marvel umbrella, and it's Tom Holland, and we love it. Yeah, you know? yeah. <laughs> He's really fun. He, I really like him in uh, Avengers. I'm excited. I like his Spider-Man. Me I'm too. excited to see him do his thing soon. <laughs> the new one's coming out really soon, right? Yes. Very soon. July 2nd. Yeah. Wow. Okay, Sweet. Tom Holland. What is he, like 14? <laughs> oh, no. He's too young for us to be discussing. Get your inflatable <laughs> chair out. Yeah. <laughs> nice callback. <laughs> Oh I'm high fiving a million <laughs> angels. That was so good. If you guys had the power to kill a franchise, what franchise would that be? Well, I like to think that I already killed the Divergent movies. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> I'm going to take the credit for that one, even though I did have nothing to do with it. No, I had to review all of those, and they were the pieces of shit. And then they actually got to the point where the last one was just going to be released on television, and then it just never even <gasps> happened. And no one has, oh, yeah. no one is clamoring for it. No yeah. one has been like, "Hey, where's that last movie you promised?" We're like, "Okay, well, actually, don't, don't bring it up, and maybe it'll just never happen." Michael Douglas is going around telling everyone that you uh, <laughs> yeah. meddled. <laughs> She's not wrong. He was to me last week. Yeah. yeah. As, much, as much as I like the Fast and the Furious movies, I think maybe I kind of want to stop them before they start getting crappy. Mm -hmm. Because I think they really peaked with like five and six. And seven and eight were fine and three is great. But like, I, I just, I, I, I feel like they're just going to get more bloated as it goes along and so it's almost like how like like with mm. the good place we're like nope we're gonna we're gonna end it now mm -hmm. we're not gonna just drag it out for as long as we can so i'll say fast and the furious i would agree on fast and the furious but only if the spin-offs keep going oh. so that they're not oh. trying so hard to keep like the original family together you guys because right. family's everything family's so important but um if they because there's a lot of beloved characters and they do have a good machine in place for those stories, like having the tone that they have, it's the international and fun and sexy and ridiculous. Um, I I already said this, but I just really want Fantastic Beasts to go away. Yes. Um, I just like I just I am a big Harry Potter fan. I the books like hit at the exact right time in mm. my life, and I enjoyed the movies enough. And I just like the these the these Fantastic Beast movies are just like. They're just really ruining the whole. <laughs> the, the they're canon. retroactively everything. spoiling everything. Yeah, it's like it's too much. It's too much, and I feel like the more that those movies are in the news, the more that like J.K. Rowling is in the zeitgeist talking about how like wizards used to like finger each other with their <laughs> wands or whatever, yeah. and that like Where their poop went. they used to like yeah they used to like, <laughs> like shit in their robes and like yeah. I mean it's too much. Like I just need it to like rest so that I can keep my beautiful memories. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Kimberly? I'll say Star Wars. <gasps> yes. Hot it's a take. Bold, bold choice. You're not wrong, though. I love Star Wars. The first one. <laughs> <laughs> the singular. I liked A New Hope. Love Episode four, and then the I was done. End of sentence. Yeah. Uh, fair enough. All right, so we're going to go and uh, ask you guys what your staff picks are. What movies do you think we should rush out to see? Or snuggle at home and watch yeah. on Netflix? I'll start. I have a snuggle at home one that um, I'm going to say is not going to be for everyone, but really tickled me. That doesn't... It also sounds accidentally pervy. What's with me? <laughs> Are you about to say the documentary Tickled? Or No. Oh, I love that movie. Um, no, this is a film that we premiered at LA Film Fest last year in our genre section. It is out on video demand this weekend. It is called Deep Murder. And the entire thing is set in an alternate reality in which everyone is a cliche from a super tacky softcore porn film. Oh my and God. then they're all stock characters who become increasingly self-aware as the movie goes on. And so it starts off with like the the lighting, the house they shoot in. You're like, 
yes, I've seen a porn shot there. <laughs> it's probably 20 minutes from the Atlanta airport. How, how many pizza delivery people are in this movie? Girl, there is a pizza delivery boy that comes in and it's a whole thing. Nice. So it's very, it's very self-aware. I found it infinitely funny throughout. It's um, Jerry O'Connell, Katie Aselton, oh, wow. Chris McDonald, Chris Red. Um, so I found it a, just a very funny, but it is, I mean, that's the pitch, right? It is characters in a soft porn becoming more Sounds aware. Great. So like the babysitter at one point is like, there are no children in this house. <laughs> <laughs> like, and like all of the kills are bloody and just stupid. Like I'm sure at least... I, at least one person dies via dildo. So, well, anyway, <laughs> deep murder. I enjoyed it. I'd say it would not be critically well reviewed, but I doubt critics are watching deep murder. So, I mean, where is how? Where is it? Um, it's just, you could get it on like iTunes or video oh, on wow. demand. Like oh. starting this weekend. Gonna right. deep Gonna. murder. Check deep it out. Murder. I hope you enjoy it. Uh, I'm doing a short, which I've never done before. Alonzo, bold um, steps. Well, so, so Pose had its season two premiere this week on FX, and they are really digging into the early 90s AIDS activism that was happening in New York City. Um, you know, uh, uh, Pray Tell goes to his first Act Up meeting, and the House of Evangelista actually goes to the legendary uh, Stop the Church uh, a protest against uh, Cardinal O'Connor. Um, if you would like to see what that actual protest protest looked like uh, a filmmaker named Robert Hilferty captured it at the time and made a short called stop the church it is streaming on canopy and so uh, I, I, for you you know pose fans who are maybe younger gays maybe just younger folks who miss the 90s in general um, and don't know about AIDS activism and, and and what was happening in the world at that time and why it was such a giant thing and why every you know like the characters on the show were going to hundreds of memorials because every single person they knew was dropping dead around them um, get on canopy and check out stop the church it is a fascinating document of a moment in history yeah, I want to say that the line between deep murder and that is like, <laughs> why we do this show. <laughs> You're coming away with a lot of different Whoops. stuff. Wow. wow. I feel like I have to say something that sort of lives in between those two. Everything lives in <laughs> yes. between those two. My pick is a movie that I'm embarrassed took me so long to see, but I just finally watched a couple weeks ago, which is Annihilation. Oh. Um, for so it's so up my alley. I love like sci-fi, but I love like um really grounded sci-fi like Arrival and stuff like that. And people for so long have been like, "You must see this movie," and I was being a bitch and being like, "No." <laughs> um, Is it as good as Dark Phoenix? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it, they just put it up on Hulu and I'm sure elsewhere. And it's it's just so fucking good. I just mm. love that movie. I love all the performances. It's like I love the shimmer. I just love it. It's so beautiful. Wow. Yeah. I'm with you. I could talk for it's a thousand so hours. Oh God, yeah. yeah. Well, my pick is a documentary okay. uh, on Netflix. Uh, Lee Morgan. I called him Morgan. I don't know if you guys saw that. I haven't that. seen that one no. yet. Um, basically, it's about a jazz trumpeter mm. named Lee Morgan and the um, complications around his death. And I don't want to give too much away. Oh, okay. I just think that you guys should watch it. It's really good. And Does it have a true crime disturb- element? Yeah, a little, well... Or more of a like. A, There's some disturb disturbing elements around okay. his death, but it's very good, very interesting. But he mm. was an an awesome musician, and it's a good film. So it's about him, like as an artist, but then also as the, an the, artist, the weird you know, the of... complications of being a jazz musician and just his death is just really jacked up. It's just jacked up how oh he died. God. Is it? Is am I being reductive by guessing that heroin is involved somehow? Because that's the first thing I think of when I hear jazz musician. He definitely was on drugs at some at one point, <laughs> mm. but um, he didn't die by heroin. Oh, gotcha. No. Okay. All right, we'll wow. check it out. Mm-hmm. What a teaser. It really yes. is. Now, Sounds we, really we have to end or we're just going to guess ways that this point is <laughs> I'm like, did the trumpet do it? <laughs> the trumpet didn't do it. <laughs> so next week, we're going to be talking about Men in Black International. I'm sure you'll want to know thoughts, concepts. Tessa Thompson. It's Tessa great. Thompson in a suit. I hear she's giving severe bisexual energy in this movie. Because the best energy. Her and Chris Hemsworth and Emma Thompson. So, like, you know. Yeah. Imagine the possibilities. Uh, Hey, if you like what you're hearing, leave us a good review on Apple Podcasts. Five-star reviews get a shout-out on the show. 
We don't have any new five-star reviews this week. Lonzo, I take that very personally. I really don't know what to say about that. I feel like if I was maybe giving more of a Kathy Lee Gifford and Regis Philbin vibe, like if we were doing that, would we be getting these? I don't know what that is. I'm not entirely sure myself. <laughs> no, I was doing Regis oh, Philbin. Because he doesn't... And I'm drunk. So yes. I'm Kathy Lee Gifford. That's my Boom. Gifford. All right. All right. Give Five, us a good review. Look, and you don't have to, like, write a thesis. Like, just be like, love the show, you know, ta-da. Yes. Four, five stars. Don't give us a review. Give us a good review. <laughs> <laughs> We're the worst. We are. But but love us anyway. We beg you. Uh, thank you, Kimberly, for being here. Thank and, you for uh, having uh, me. Uh, occupying the host chair. Where can people find you online? Um, you can look me up. My handle is Clark Kimberly L because I can't obviously take Kimberly Clark because it's a tissue <laughs> company manufacturer, very powerful. Do you ever march into a bank name. and say, I'm Kimberly Clark and I want to drain this account? <laughs> exactly. Yeah. But just look me up I'm on social media. Awesome. Yeah. And Rachel, thank you for coming in from New York. Uh, Everybody I just can't... got up again and applause. Yes. I know. Wow. I flew in just for this podcast, so it's yeah. huge. <laughs> yes. <laughs> We brought you in. Yeah, <laughs> just yeah. For this. Oh, yeah. Yes. They flew me in. Yeah. <laughs> Where can people find you online? Private jet. Um, you can find me on Twitter, on Instagram. Uh, it's just Rachel Winitsky. I think I'm the only one. Um, I feel you. I recently found out I have a distant relative, an old, a relative from the past who was also named Rachel Winitsky, which is frankly. Devastating. <laughs> that bitch. But <laughs> currently, I'm the only one. <laughs> well, thank you both for being here. We appreciate it. Have a comment or suggestion about this week's show? Tweet us at Who Shot Your Pod or send us an email at Who Shot You at MaximumFun.org. Our producer is Casey O'Brien. Our senior producer is Laura Swisher. This is a production of MaximumFun.org. Yay! Yay! <laughs> MaximumFun.org. Comedy and culture. Artist owned. Audience supported.